I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, April 14, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. They're above 281. Today they gapped higher and basically stayed in a relatively narrow range all day long. We know what that means. They're basically eating time off the clock, consolidating to make another or continuation move higher. Doesn't have to happen every time. We use the 80-20 rule. Using the 80-20 rule the majority of the time, that's what happens. But we like to look at what jumps off the page at us when we bring up a chart. So we're looking at the daily chart of the spider. And guess what? There's a couple of things right out of the chute that jump off the page. The first thing that jumps off at me, and this may not be the first thing that jumps out at you. The first thing for me is the low of today based on the daily chart. You'll notice that the low of today comes in at, here's the number, the low is 275 51. The first question I would ask myself, knowing the answer ahead of time, being in the market all day long, was the market down at 275.51 today? Well, you don't have to just take my word for it. We can go check it out. Where's 275.51? It's all the way down here around this gap. Was the market down there? This is where we gapped up from yesterday. This is the close yesterday. This candle right here. This is the 13th, 1600 hours. So this is the gap. This is where that erroneous candle low comes in at off the daily chart. What do we call that? Another term for that, and it's really the technical term, is shenanigans. But since we know that the market wasn't even down there today, what are we going to do with that information? The first thing we'll do is go back to the daily chart, and we have it as an awareness. It's not necessarily a puzzle piece. It's more of a sticky note. Why is that? Well, because the candle or the wick low goes all the way down to the gap, maybe slightly below, but it's a round number, 275.50. It's in and around an important area left open from yesterday's close. If the market was trading down in that zone, we know what's down there. It's the gap. Under normal garden variety market conditions, the market or In this case, the spider would find some at least temporary support under normal garden variety conditions down at the gap. So we don't really need any more information than that other than to know it's a gap. We would have known the gap anyway, and if price was heading down there, we're going to be cognizant of the gap. Are they likely to be down there at some point within the next few days? It's very possible. We can almost call it likely but it doesn't have to be before the other thing that jumps out at the chart which is the 50 period moving average now when we go up north we've been talking about this number or this zone for quite a while 288.50 the 50 period moving average is in fact a moving average so it's been moving down into that 288.50 each and every day a little bit at a time Can we say definitively that tomorrow being Wednesday, they're going to be up at the 288.50? No, we can't say that. We don't know how they're going to open them tomorrow. You don't know what's going to transpire overnight. And here's another thing that we've seen before. 
We've seen the futures rally in the middle of the night, kind of with a mask on. Now we all have masks on. But they were doing it before like a thief in the night. Now everybody looks like a bandit, looks like we're all going to rob a train. The point is, is that we've seen the futures do these things overnight, only to find them trading back down away from that price area the next morning. Why do they do that? Well, there's a whole bucket full of reasons. However, the main reason that I believe they do it is to screw over the people that are holding long positions that can only get out of their long positions between 9.30 and 4, or maybe even extended hours pre-market. But the point is, is that even, for example, an option position, you have to wait until the market opens to get out of the position. By that time, they've already done the thing. They're trading away. They've already screwed you over. I'm not saying that happens all the time, but we all know it does happen. And that's why we call them thieves in the night, because they stole the trade away. Here's the way I'm reading the market, and we're going to see this in a moment when we go inside the numbers. Above 281 is bullish. Below 281 is not. We have to have a pivot. That's our pivot. That was our pivot during the day. Our pivot is 281, period, full stop. Why is that? Well, the new reason is different from the old reason. The old reason is, I believe 281 was going to be important. So we had it marked off on the chart. 281 was important two trading days ago. The market had a pretty decent pullback away from 281, and here we gap higher, get above 281, and for me, that's the market's way of doing two things. A, confirming 281 was in fact important for the second time, and number two, it gives us something to trade against knowing that if the market begins getting below, for example, closing hourly below 281, they're giving it up, and you have to be out if you're on the long side. That's just the way this works. That's the way the read works. But here's another way we know 281 is important. Watch this. What's the opening print from today? 280.98. There's no accidents, no coincidences. They could have opened it below. They could have opened it above. They open it two pennies right under the number. I'm just saying that's on the number. It's close enough. From where they were at yesterday's close to open right on the number, that's telling me more evidence that 281 was in fact an important number. Let's have a short discussion. There's a lot of shorts in the market still. How do we know that? I know that. I have an email indicator. There are tons of average everyday Joes that still remain short. They buy the story. The market's going back to test the lows. It may go back to test the lows The problem is, they were betting on going back to test the lows when it was around 240, 250 down in this neighborhood, thinking a collapse was coming here. They got a gap higher, pie in the face. They continue to get a conveyor belt of pies in the face. We know how it works. The shorts have to run for cover. It creates panic buying. Panic buying creates momentum buying. Momentum buying creates FOMO buying. What's FOMO buying? Fear of missing out. Buying begets buying. And then all of a sudden, an important number, an important price area or zone becomes magnetic, a la the 50-period moving average up above. What about stocks on the move? What I'll do again is run through as quick as I can. I'm going to keep the commentary to a minimum. I'm going to allow you to pause the video, read at your leisure, and then get through it as quick as you can. Those that think it's a bunch of bunk can just skip through and get to the other side when we're back to the charts. However, 
if you're at all active during the trading day, it behooves you to pay attention to at least get an assessment whether or not this is something that can benefit you. I do want to highlight a couple of things. And by the way, there were no stocks on the move today. There were three opportunities on the board, but nothing hit their target. Why is that? Because we're getting a gap up in the morning and it takes a lot of the opportunity away. However, keep in mind we're getting into earnings season and the trades, the opportunities for stocks on the move will come fast and furious without a doubt. They always do. A couple of things are of note as it relates to the commentary We're buyers. We're looking for markets to go higher. We're looking for the big fat round number of 2,800. This is the ES now to be supportive. And then we translate that into SPY numbers. And as the day goes on, we transition back to the SPY. I have to use both some days more often than others because I'm using both charts. I'm using the overnight data. I'm using a bunch of different things that most traders just are not looking at. That's what gives us an advantage, at least from where I sit. So we're angling to get long. We're angling around the 2,800 as long as it holds. We're angling for about 20 handles, 25 handles on the upside. You see the 945 post, 28,20, And the market obviously went up there and then some, but that's what we were angling for. And then you'll see what happened. The market got quiet and it stayed in a very tight range But we had identified support levels below where we could continue to play the long side if they held the supports. And today's not the type of day where you want to be on the short side until and unless they started getting below and closing below certain areas. Why is that? It's reading the tape. Sure, the market could get rejected at a certain number, but until and unless it does, I'm not inclined to guess where it's going to get rejected, or guess that it's going to get rejected at all. I look around the horn, I see what my favorite market-leading indicators are doing, I make an assessment, I see what's going on, I'm reading the tape. Then you'll notice we start identifying an area that is, and this is a bigger area, not just for 5 or 10 minutes, but an area that's prone to be or should be overhead resistance, but a much bigger or larger area of overhead resistance something we start angling to as the morning goes on and that number happened to be 284.20 and we know because if you've been around a while you know but you know that on these first runs up to an important area a lot of times they come up short they spike through they don't necessarily hit it on the button so it's an awareness so on the first run early in the morning they came up slightly short maybe about 40 or 50 cents short in the SPY and pulled back a little bit, but then they went and did it later on. And you'll notice that, we'll go back to the chart and we'll take a look at it, but you'll notice we begin talking about the 284.20 and then later on in the day, they went and got the 284.20 and it was in fact overhead resistance. But there was a zone, there was another number, a higher number, and it was cited before, it was cited at 284.65, it's a zone, and then we have the 285 up above. I realize this is a mouthful, I realize it's a lot of numbers. We're going to go back to the charts, and we're going to look at all this stuff, and you're going to start to understand the method to the madness, and some of the why behind this stuff. I want to go to the intraday chart of the S&P, the SPY, and I want to show you the short miss, or not short miss, but the near miss, the hit, 
why it wasn't at the actual gap, and I'll show you where that is off the daily chart. And then we'll talk about why all that happens and how the hell do I know all this stuff. The short answer is, everything that I do is basically visual. It's a matter of looking around the horn at a whole variety of different charts in a variety of different markets and making the assessment. I don't want to sound easy. I don't want to make it sound easy. I'm not saying it is easy. But what I am doing is telling you there's no magic tools. I don't have magic software. I use what they give you. They give you a chart. They give you some lines. They give you some moving averages to use. They give you some volume. I use what they give you. I don't use the indicators from where? From Joe's Indicator Shop for $49.95, $79.95, a package of three for 100 bucks, whatever. I don't use any of that stuff. Every month, they're selling you the best indicator. Well, if they're selling you the best indicator now, what happened to last month's best indicator? You know the answer. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Now... Couple of things that are important. Look what happens early in the day, around 10.30, first hour of the day upon the close. The high over here is 283.79. We were looking for 284.20 as quote-unquote the next major resistance area. But we say it all the time. They like to come up short, trick, trap, full, and frustrate crew shows up. They pull the rug out a little bit. Traders get left holding the bag, getting greedy, looking for the full Monty. How can I let that roll off the tongue so easy? Because I used to be the guy looking for the full Monty. Pigs get slaughtered. When you treat it as a business, you front run the number. You'll also see in the notes as they come down, we're talking about 281. They've got to maintain 281. Getting below it for a few minutes, not a big deal. They have to maintain 281. Then they obviously have to maintain the opening low of the day. You'll find that in the notes also if you read through it. So traders are getting the tour guide. As long as they got back above 281, they're good to go. Now, let's check this out. Up here, they finally get to and have arrived at, you can see the high here, 284.30, and then they start to pull back. So they get through my number by 10 cents, and they pull back to where? This low is 282.55. So for argument's sake, it's a pretty good pullback. It's about 15 handles, give or take on a pullback in the S&P. Here's the gap on the daily chart. And you can see the gap the way I use it is 284.64. In the notes, I rounded up a penny to 264.65. Which, by the way, at the end of the day, they did fill the gap. So the high of day is 284.90. The question is, where did the 284.20 come from? Did I say 64 before? It's 284. You know the way it is. I've got numbers running through my head back and forth. It's like the Daytona 500 in there. Back to the question, where did the 284.20 come from? It's not on this chart. It comes from a different chart. How did I know it was going to stop or price was going to stop at 284.20 or right thereabout? I didn't. That's why I provided a zone. You have to be ready. They could stop on a dime, come up short, spike it through by a little bit up to the next gap from a different chart, which is what happened. The net net is I'm looking at as much stuff as I can to provide the best data that I can provide to who? Inside the numbers members. Here's something interesting. Remember from yesterday to the hourly chart, we had a bearish, wedgish, flaggish type of pattern going on yesterday. And under normal garden variety conditions, this would make another move or a continuation move in the southern direction. Barring what? 
barring a close above the breakdown candle high. We talked about that ad nauseum yesterday. What did they do? They gapped above it. They couldn't trade through it during the day. They gapped above it or they got above it. The futures did in the middle of the night. Remember those thieves in the masks? And that creates a gap up under regular session hours for today. So here's another awareness thing. There's something called the law of alternation. Now, I'm not saying to expect this. I'm just saying there's a law of alternation and you don't necessarily know exactly when it's going to show up. It's an awareness. It's not even a sticky note, just an awareness. Today, we had a gap up from a bearish pattern yesterday. So the bearish pattern fails. We have a gap up and we're above 281 and they make a bullish pattern just the same or the opposite mirror image that they did yesterday so they really did the same thing they did yesterday just looking in the mirror are we going to get a failure of this pattern instead of going up to 288.50 are they going to come back down fill the gap remember that low print off the daily chart that's down to where down to the gap so while it's not a puzzle piece i will say this And you know what we like to do? We like to keep things simple around here and we like to take the market at face value. So if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's generally a duck using the 80-20 rule. So if they started to get below 281 tomorrow, closing hourly below 281 on Wednesday, guess what? A, they're going to test the lows from today. And if that doesn't hold, guess what? Here comes the gap. Now, that decision will be made in real time for inside the numbers members. It's easy to sit here the night before and say that, but in real time, you have to have an understanding of what's going on, and those decisions have to be made on the fly. And it will be made on the fly. I want to jump around for a minute and have a different discussion. I want to have a discussion back to the short conversation. We go back to the daily chart, and we know that part of this rally, at least... If nothing else, even if you don't believe the whole rally is a short squeeze and it doesn't have to be, but if nothing else, you have to believe that certain parts of it are a short squeeze. Then you have to say to yourself, are the same traders, are the same people shorting the market over and over and over again and they keep getting a pie in the face? David keeps talking about this every time the market goes down. We talk about the shorts are going to get a pie in the face. They always want to believe it's going to go lower. We've been doing this for years already. So the question is, is it the same people that continue to get the pie in the face? And the answer really is, no, it's not. It's my opinion. I don't know this for a fact because how would I know who's doing what out there? I'm just saying here's an opinion, right? This is my own little soapbox. It's not even a soapbox. It's just conversation i'm eating time off the clock but what you have is you have a fresh supply of new shorts that buy the new conspiracy theory whatever it is they buy the new panic scenario they buy the market's going to make lower lows they buy the market's going to collapse the crash scenario the reason they buy it is because they're told they can make a fortune when the market crashes if they're on the right side And the reality, and by the way, they can, anybody can. However, the reality is it's very few people, very few traders, very few investors, whatever have you. It's very few that can stay in even halfway down. So essentially, most traders, most people that even started short up near the highs, they typically never get the full Monty. 
And what also happens is they end up chopping themselves up and giving back a lot of the gain that they got for part of the way down, trying to short the rest and getting whipped out when the market gets whipped back and forth. The reality is it's very difficult to short the market, stay short for the whole thing without getting whipped out. Why is that? Because the rallies in between are very violent. Remember, large swings in both directions, chunks and chunks of points. They were going in 100-point increments on the S&P, remember? And those were lighter days. Those were garden variety days. So after that experience, a couple, three, four, five times, however many times it takes, most traders end up saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm tired of getting beat. I'm going to take another approach. And that's what I really believe happens. And that's why I believe that you constantly have a fresh supply of new candidates to short the market and get a full dose of agita on the way down, back up, down, up, down, up, down, up. You know the routine. So as we wrap up the SPY, we're getting back in our lane over here. I've thrown a couple of short hops out there, but you've picked them up nicely. You want to make sure your body's in front of the ball. You don't want the ball to get behind you and give up the extra bag. Let's take a look at what's up above. We know things can be magnetic on both sides, up north and down south. So as price gets close to an important zone, important number, that number becomes magnetic. We talked about the 50-period moving average. The question is, what else you got? How about the weekly chart? Up there, you have a 100-period moving average, slightly below the 288.50. Doesn't have to stop short or on the 100-day. It's a weekly number, so they can spike through it for days and days and days. It's closing above or closing below that counts at the end of a week. So it's of note. It is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's up above. It can be magnetic. Let's move it along. What's doing over in Camp IWM? Is it giving us any valuable or relevant information? Not really. Wasn't leading today. Still lagging. There's nothing bearish on the daily chart, but it is of note that it was lagging today. So the spider was up over 3%, and this was up over 2%, quite less than 3%. So it's interesting. Even though it was up, we have to note that it was lagging. Nobody's going to pick that up unless you're in tune with market leading and lagging indicators. And I'm not talking about the kind from Joe's Indicator Shop. Here's an hourly chart, and some of you already picked this up during the trading day. How do I know that? Because you sent me an email telling me. Now, we can make a case that this is a bearish, flaggish pattern like we saw yesterday in the SPY on the hourly chart. We can make a case that this should go down. We also have the fact that two days in a row, the IWM was a lagging indicator. So those are puzzle pieces. They're on the table. See how you have to look at both sides of the market? We are the umpire. You have to call balls and strikes. We talked about what's up north. Could be magnetic. We have a moving average up there. A couple of moving averages on a variety of charts. Down below, we have a gap. We have a, an erroneous print on the chart. A little bit of shenanigans. We have a failure of a pattern yesterday, a possible refailure of a pattern, and a recapture is something different tomorrow. You never know. You have to be pre-prepared. You got to look at everything. You put it all on the table, and you either come out with something tangible, relevant, and solid, or it's unclear, muddy, and completely confusing. If it's the latter, you keep your hands in your pocket. Will Inside the Numbers members have something tangible in the morning? Absolutely. We always do. What's the scoop down in the transportation department? Very similar to the IWM. 
lagging the SPY. This is my what? Second favorite market leading indicator, but a number one canary in the coal mine. Nothing bearish on the daily chart of note, other than the fact that this is in a massive downtrend. We understand that. I'm talking about the last several days. This is trending higher from a short-term perspective. Same thing goes for the IWM. I want to make sure there's no misunderstanding. Everybody's clear on what we're talking about. But a puzzle piece is the fact that my two favorite market-leading indicators were lagging the SPY. That has to be something we pay attention to. We can't just whistle past the graveyard on that one. Why is that? Because any time in the past, when that happens, one of two things is going to happen rather quickly. The market's going to turn around, meaning the SPY, the Dow, the Qs, they're either going to turn around and get caught up to the transports and the IWM on the way down, or... The transports in the IWM are going to go screaming higher in short order. We'll know which one when we see it, but they're not going to stay that way for very long. On the flip side, the Qs are having one hell of a party. They're above everything. There's no other way to look at this than it's a bullish close, period, full stop. Doesn't mean they won't come back down, but today, as it stands, at present, today's market is a bullish close. The cues are telling you it's bullish, it's likely going higher. Why? Because as long as they stay above this moving average here, these pivot highs up here will become magnetic. Which one? Well, one, two, three in order. It doesn't really matter. It's the general zone of what we're talking about. Somewhere in here, the market will find the top. It will have a meaningful pullback. Maybe it starts tomorrow. Maybe it goes up here. But somewhere, and we'll just generalize, that 220 neighborhood is where they're headed. Not going to get there all at once, but they could get there all at once. Back below today's low, look out below. It's a big span of points between current price or closing price and today's low, but it is what it is. The chart tells you what it tells you. My job is to interpret it and transfer the information. Don't shoot the messenger. Here's another lagger. Now we've got banks reporting earnings. Banks reported today. Banks report tomorrow. Banks sold off today. Banks are a big part of the S&P. What do we always say? Without the financials, it's unlikely the market's going to get very far in either direction. So if the market's going to go a lot higher, it needs participation from the financials. Even if it goes a lot higher or higher at all and we get no participation from the financials, it will be a short-lived rally. So we have lagging indicator, IWM, transports, financials. That's on one side of the ledger. Q's, the other side of the ledger. How about Smash Mouth, which is a pretty good indicator within the tech sector. Looks very similar to the Q's. So that's on the Q side of the ledger. And that, my friends, is a pretty... Rounded view, rounded look around the horn at the normal garden variety markets that you and I look at. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. I love making these videos, so for that, I'm grateful. It's everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss today, so I'm going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. 
subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.